Welcome to the Soul Traveler Podcast, an exploration of conscious living with your host, Jennifer Mitchell of The Soul Experience. Join Jennifer as she explores the quantum realms of the subconscious mind and all aspects of spirituality. Driven by curiosity and a thirst for knowledge, topics will stretch the boundaries of your imagination and revive your mind, body, and soul. Hey Soul Travelers, this is your host Jennifer, coming to you today with a very special episode. I am speaking with Jeroen DeWitt. He is a quantum healing hypnosis level 3 practitioner and has conducted over 2,000 sessions. He actually had the honor of training directly with Dolores Cannon herself back in 2006. Jeroen is also certified in Reiki, Emotional Freedom Technique, and a quantum touch healing. Not to mention, he is also the practitioner that I had my very first quantum healing session with. We got to talk all about hypnosis, my favorite topic of past life regression, and some of the profound self-healing miracles that we see with our clients each day. If you love our episode today, then please show us some love by hitting the five-star button and leaving a review. Now get ready, because it's time to go exploring the quantum realms. Hey, Jeroen, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. Yes, I've really been looking forward to this discussion as you were my first quantum healing practitioner and was big been a big part of my journey actually and inspired me to become a practitioner i'd love to hear a little bit about you and i want to know about your journey and what inspired you to become a quantum healing practitioner sure so my name sounds a little weird here in the states <laughs> because it is because i was born and raised in the netherlands and mm-hmm. it might sound exotic over here but it's a very common name where i'm from it's like the dutch version of jerome mm-hmm. and so i lived there until 2007 i moved to los angeles when i was 35 in 2007 and i trained with dolores back in 2006 so this was before i moved mm-hmm. yeah and i found out about her i'm right now i'm I have a practice here in Los Angeles where I see people daily to do past life regressions, Dolores Cannon's work. Mm-hmm. It started because I was on my own healing journey, accessing energy healing and therapy for myself at first. And then found out that I really enjoyed being in those healing spaces. So I learned different types of energy healing. And then I was in a, a friend's practice in 2006 and I was going to get some healing, but I found this book laying on the coffee table that had a little alien on the cover and it said custodians. I was like, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So I started leafing through it and quickly devoured the whole thing because I was so interested in what was being described. What this book described, I somehow felt like I knew on the inside, but I Mm -hmm. I didn't know I knew it. It resonated so strongly with me. So I found out who the writer was, Dolores Cannon, looked her up and found out that she was teaching in the Netherlands wow. months away from the moment I picked up that book. So found out that I was eligible to join the class and, and joined it. There was like 12 of us in this little back room in a bookshop in The Hague in the Netherlands. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, at the time, Dolores Cannon was not the household name that she's now. So she was just this little old lady that was traveling the globe, teaching these fun classes. And I got to say, like, it was the very first time I was in a learning type of environment mm-hmm. where I actually really enjoyed and was inspired by what was being mm-hmm. taught. I was always a C student, had to do catch-up classes over summer, flunked a couple of times, and I just didn't like school because it wasn't interesting. But it was the first time that I thought, wow, this is really something that I want to do this for the rest of my life. I just, I'm enjoying this so much. Took the class and started practicing right after. First with friends, and since the work wasn't very known, I didn't have a lot of clients. Then moved to the States, had just like a job. I was a spa manager. And then slowly my practice started growing. And then in 2016, there was a book that was released that had my regressions in it. The book that's called The Boy Who Knew Too Much. It's the story of mom and her journey with her son who started telling her that he used Mm -hmm. to be an old German baseball player. And she being a Christian had no idea of what he was talking about, thought it was just vivid imagination, but Mm -hmm. quickly found out there was more to it. So she came to see me for these regressions and we went into her lifetime as Christina Garrick, Lou Garrick's mom. And was very, yeah, it was very detailed. And she went and go fact check all the details that she unearthed during those sessions with me with still living descendants and relatives of the Garrick family. And everything that she dreamed up during her session matched lived reality. So that was a big push for my career to take off. I started seeing more clients and then my level three certification kicked in. And so I've been doing this work since 2000. 16 or 17 full-time and yeah just really amazing crazy wonderful magical healing experiences doing this work wow that's just absolutely incredible and the fact that you got to train directly with dolores herself i mean what was that experience like it was so interesting for me because i was like totally fangirling over her having mm-hmm. read and she, in one of her books, she described her star-shaped ring with the little blue stones. And when I met her, I saw the ring. I was like, oh, my God, this is Dolores Cannon with the ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was so funny because you know, I was not living in the States. So I had like probably warped impressions of people from the States. And so Dolores looked like, to me, like a little church lady, like from the Midwest. And then, so I thought that contrast was so interesting it, that she would look like that and then open her mouth and the books that she's written, like all this galactic knowledge of wisdom pours out. I thought it was so interesting. And she was very much like someone's, like my grandmother, but also what was very inspiring that she was very confident in the way that she had amassed throughout the years and years of working with clients. So the way that she posed that wisdom or taught it to us, it was very, it was very inspiring. It really felt like I was listening to like ancient wisdom. And it's interesting that you touched on that because that right there, so Dolores Cannon and stumbling across one of her videos on YouTube was really the catalyst for my awakening. But the whole reason I stopped was because she looked like this little old granny that should be knitting blankets for her grandchildren. And to your point, all of this galactic knowledge and it's like, who is this lady? But it really sparked that internal sense of knowing that you talked about earlier, because I feel like I always have that too. Like the stuff that comes through in my sessions, even as a practitioner now, I feel like I know a lot of it already. Somehow I don't know how. It's just maybe like my higher self, my subconscious picking up on things that I had forgotten before entering this life journey. But when I heard her videos, just immediately I stopped scrolling and I started binging on everything Dolores and 
that was around the time, I guess it maybe right around when you were had first moved to LA, it sounds and started practicing full time. And then I looked up and you were the closest practitioner that I really resonated with. So I went out there to see you in LA area for my session. And yeah, it was everything was just so life changing. Just discovering her and having the session. Yeah, I don't know how it was for you, but for me, prior to finding her, there was a big part of me that I thought was so weird. Like all that inner knowing that I had, that was so different from how I experienced life and the society that I came from. It just didn't match. And I felt really weird and different and not good enough because I was not matching the standards that I was given in terms of like how to be a proper human being or how to live your life. But when I found out about Dolores, like a lot of it started making sense for myself. I felt more it's like, oh, this is a really big part of myself that, that I love to explore. I think for me, it's very similar. I always felt like I had to hide that part, like that inner knowing, because it didn't seem to like other people had that. And I thought, am I crazy knowing this stuff or even thinking this way? And so a lot of that I really kept hidden for so long until I started researching Dolores and reading her books and then realizing that, oh, this is real, (laughs) this stuff. And then as a practitioner now and having a podcast, obviously, I just love talking about it. I do want to know from your experience as a practitioner, how do you validate like past life regression? Like when somebody is a skeptic, what do you say sometimes like if a client thinks that maybe the information came through and they're questioning it like how do you validate that for in your line of work so there's two points that i emphasize i talk about imagination because some people say especially in group regressions sometimes this comes up people like wonder did i make it up and i explained imagination is an underrated part of our consciousness that that we've been taught is just like frivolous or not really used in our survival but when we imagine we're moving from a from the left side of our brain or the critical faculty that we have thinking into a playful space and just as kids when they play they're in the moment they're in the here and now they're not concerned with how they look or what the result of the play will be or are you going to make some money is it going to look good on instagram they're just in the moment and when we're in the moment we're aligned with the higher self and so we're open to inspiration from it we're more connected to it so that's one thing that i say and then the other one is that me trying to be a good past life regressionist during a session i ask about lots of mundane and trivial details like how are they dressed what are the customs and what are they used to eat meals with what are the relationships like and oftentimes you'll touch on information or you get information that you can plug into google and lived experience somewhere else on the planet in a different culture in a different time will pop up like the one that i remember the most right now is a lady who was a sailor from spain in the 1600s and ended up marrying a woman from some pacific island and i had her describe the wedding ceremony it took place on the beach they were kneeling facing each other their heads were leaning into each other and they were both wearing a lei the flower mm-hmm. and then she said something passes in between us as we lean into each other's foreheads so we we plugged it into google afterwards and, and found out this was a traditional Hawaiian wedding ceremony. And she had no Hawaiian background or wasn't from Hawaii, didn't know about it. So stuff like that happens quite often. Mm-hmm. Out of it, and did I make it up? We Google it and something pops up. Yeah. And I just love that. And I ask that question because sometimes my clients think like that too. And I offer the research for me is the details to your point. I also try to ask like a lot of fact finding questions, a lot of details, looking for maybe like flags or symbols or if it, 
if there's a book on the table, can you see the title of the book or newspaper? Is there a date? So things like that. So verifiable facts is for me one way. And then the feelings and emotions. I don't think that's something that can be made up. I've had people all of a sudden start crying when they look into their spouse's eyes. And then they're like, and I'm like, why are you crying? And they're like, I miss him or her so much. And so for me, that's very validating as well. Yeah, I forgot that one. Yeah. So going back to transitioning out of a typical job and becoming a practitioner, I know that like right now, a lot of people are starting to step more into their aligned purpose. What advice would you have to say for somebody who maybe wants to leave like a typical nine to five and they're feeling called to do like a different line of work? Was that transition for you? Was that difficult or what was that like for you? It was difficult because I was impatient. And I was wondering, like, when is it going to happen? When am I going to get to do the things? I was just impatient. But looking back at it, it wasn't like steps to take for me. It was more I gave more space for joy in my life. I became more present to my feelings of what was working for me, what wasn't working for me. And I just added more things that I love to do, even mm-hmm. though I was a job that I stopped liking. I would go into nature. I would go for drives, I would drive to Ojai, I would go do different things, whatever felt good to me. And so doing that gave me a stronger sense of self, because when we are in joy, we really connect, it's an immediate connection to who we are, because joy feels good, and it's immediate. And so looking back, that gave me more access to my acknowledging my feelings, Mm -hmm. and becoming very clear what I liked and what I didn't like. And that over time built the strength for me to just not want to accommodate the antiquated ways of thinking for me in terms of you got to get a job to be secure and what are people going to think and we'll have enough clients blah 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 i just said i just want to do this and it wasn't like i i drove off i jumped off a cliff or something I, i did have financial security i think i was ubering for a while once i quit my job i ubered for three more weeks and then my level three certification kicked in and my book came out or the book came out i didn't write it and the photos and stopped ringing since. Mm-hmm. So to me, looking back, it was a gradual process and it took 10 years for me. Wow. I'm not saying I'm not the most, what do you call it? Like active go-getter type of person. I more go with the flow. Mm-hmm. I don't really set out, like I don't plan a lot. So you can for sure do this quicker, mm-hmm. but this is my process. So for 10 years of building enough self-worth or recovering my self-worth to the point where I could stand for that within myself and make the switch. I can definitely relate because when I had my session, the one with you, where my higher self came forward and it did recommend for me to become a practitioner, I felt excited and anxious, but then I didn't know where to start. I was a little impatient and it took me a while too to get to the point where I could do it full time. And I think the biggest thing that kept me in, I'll just call it the muggle world, (laughs) working a nine to five job was fear. Uh, Fear of two things, what people would think about me and also just like the fear of societal fears of how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay the rent? But once I just let go and started trusting, I started doing sessions on the weekends and started building clients that way. And then when the pandemic hit, I remember I was sitting out front of my job at the time. I was working director at a bank and I was crying in the parking lot before going into work, which had become a daily thing for me because I was pretty unhappy at that point. And I just heard the voice of my my higher self, my angels, my guides say, it's time. It's time. And so I went in and I put my notice in. And then I wow. one thing, yeah, it was actually for me, I was just like, okay, this is it. I'm going to pull the trigger. And I put my notice in. 
But one thing is the universe had my back. I felt very supported because even though I made that transition and I left my full-time job, I did actually get some side some side work that tied me over as I built my clientele, I started getting web design because I do design websites on the side and randomly people started reaching out to me like, hey, do you do web design? And I was like, I've never really yeah. advertised it. And so those clients, I believe, were sent to me to tie me over and help me financially in, in the interim. I, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I see that happen so much in my own life and my clients' lives as well. Once people choose themselves, when they start loving mm-hmm. themselves, then that's reflected in our external experiences. And the same if we, the moments or the parts of us that we have not yet loved, these will keep showing up in difficult experiences until we love those parts as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I do want to ask you too, as a fellow practitioner, one thing that I've noticed is I feel like my sessions kind of trend. Like I'll get certain types of sessions in spurts, meaning, for instance, like I've been having a lot of clients regress to Egypt lately. And I also get, I get a lot of people who regress to being different beings. Lately, you've been coming up with a lot of like reptilian or regressions do you find that your clients come in patterns like that you're shaking your head yes totally. yeah same thing i think it's, it's <laughs> like that for all of us practitioners mm-hmm. sometimes it can be like the drier sessions where it's very mundane and and then a whole slew of like alien ones or energy ones or crazy healing ones yeah it does seem to go in spurts yeah yeah <laughs> after a couple of like difficult ones or dry ones thinking of shit is it ever going to happen again am i going to go flying through the stars with somebody (laughs) yeah i know i find that i like really crave certain sessions one of my favorite sessions so far is i had a client who came to me who had missing time and her and her husband were driving to the grocery store and the next thing they know several hours had passed and they were on the couch in their house watching some random tv show that they would never be watching and neither one of them remember going to the grocery store. And so that was really fun when we regressed her back. There was this whole extraterrestrial experience. And yeah, I love those. Yeah, I do find myself <laughs> craving those. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I like those. Mm-hmm. And I think also that clients resonate and are sent to us, maybe because like, certain ones come to certain people, to certain practitioners, because the universe aligns us or we have a background in a certain area that, that will help, help them to have the most successful session. I agree. Yeah. yeah. As far as like self-healing, what would you say is like the most intriguing self-healing that you've seen as a practitioner? The woman who came in, because oftentimes I don't hear back from my clients. So mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a session with someone who came in and she had a session with me during a pandemic somewhere. And the higher self at the time had cleared or healed her thyroid. She mm-hmm. came out of it not really trusting it. And so she kept taking her thyroid medication, got really jacked up from the medication. So she went wow. to see and the doctor said, why are you taking the medication? There's nothing wrong with your thyroid. So that happened. My goodness. Yeah. Wow, that's so powerful too. And as a practitioner, I, I believe and I see the healing and oftentimes people do sometimes doubt it. What do you have to say to somebody who might be doubting the self-healing? I mean, it's really proof is in the pudding, as they say. Yeah. You know, people, like, people lose weight. Weight loss is a big is issue for a lot of people. And that's, mm-hmm. that stuff happens. When we get to the cause of it, it's, the weight's gone. Like People come out of it. Oh, last week I had somebody who their vision was restored. They could see better after the session. And they had a knee issue that was, the pain was reduced severely right after the session. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> How can you deny those experiences? No, I agree. And for my own self, in my own sessions, we do exchanges. There's a couple of other practitioners here in Vegas and we exchange sessions once in a while. 
I was in a lot of car accidents when I was younger. So I had, I struggled from back pain and my back pain, it's barely even there now. Like sometimes I might notice it if I tweak my back or if I jerk a certain way, but it's nowhere near as intense as it used to be at all. I used to not be able to sleep. I had to stretch for half an hour plus every morning to get out of bed and it was constant. Mm. And then, and I also have another practitioner that I know who she was diagnosed with lymphoma. And after several healing sessions, she's symptom free. She doesn't show any any signs of symptoms at all whatsoever. It's absolutely, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's been happening for so long now. And if you've mm -hmm. read Dolores' books as well, it's become normal. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you do a lot of group regressions too. So do you think the group regressions is a good, if somebody's curious, but maybe they're not ready for a full session, would you say that's a good way to dip their toe in and get started with regression therapy? Totally. Because you with other people and experiences are shared. So when people talk about them, it makes one's own experience less weird. And then having the sample experience of what it's like to be under hypnosis because as you probably know as well, there's a lot of sort of misconceptions about Ugh, it. Yeah. They're going to lose control or that you're going to yank them from their current reality and just plop them down in another reality. It's not like that at all. Yeah, <laughs> It's a wonderful way to try it. Have you been doing group regressions as well? I've done a couple of them. I do intend to do more, but yeah, I've done, I've done three or four, yeah. but I, yeah, I want to do more of them. And to your point, I'd love to touch on that. Hollywood's done such an amazing job at putting this <laughs> bit on hypnosis that is just really inaccurate. The truth is a hypnosis is a very natural state of mind. I like to refer to it almost as the sister of meditation. It's very similar. The fact that you are aware, you're conscious and aware that you're doing it, but yet you are in touch with your higher self, that part of you that's connected to source is very natural. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I call mm -hmm. it like focused awareness. Yeah. And then the truth is, is that everybody can be hypnotized, although some people have convinced themselves otherwise. <laughs> no, I agree. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer than is available in one session, but everybody can be hypnotized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because It's a normal state that we access on a daily basis. Like I tell people, you go through it as you're waking up or you're going to sleep or when you're driving places, forgetting how you got there, missing an exit. Or even when you're binging some Netflix and you're oblivious to the passage of time, you look up from your screen and suddenly the day has turned into night and you weren't aware of this because you were so focused. That's yeah. all. Simple. And it's also one thing that I've really found is that the story that people tell themselves will often manifest in sessions. I had a client maybe a couple months ago where before we started the session, she convinced herself that she didn't think she could be hypnotized. And she told me, oh, my ego likes to hijack. My ego is going to take control. I don't know. My ego likes to keep information from me. And when we regressed, we had a great past life regression. But when it came forward to call the subconscious, Guess who I ended up talking to for over an hour <laughs> was her ego. <laughs> and so it's a really good example of how powerful our belief system is. And actually, it was a very interesting session. I got a lot of information out to help her. But talking to the ego was very different. I had to, I'm sure you've experienced this as a practitioner, almost have to trick the ego. Her ego was like, I'm not going to tell you that because then I'm going to lose my power. They kept yeah. saying that. And I was like, well, I don't know. I think you'll be more powerful because then you can work with her, work together. So it was like a lot of trickery with the ego. Yeah, that, that happens too. I've, yeah. When I see ego as the traumatized self. So the part mm. of the ego had to come into existence as a result of as not being welcomed just for who we are. So it's a defense mechanism. 
And so if there's a lot of that, then you need a lot of time to help person trust themselves enough to where they can let go of that and trust you, of course, to build mm-hmm. rapport is very important. Yeah, and it, that sometimes takes more time than just a one session. It's very rare, but um, it's not like we're going to kick the ego in a corner and then the higher self comes in. I don't like to talk about it that way at all because I feel like it's more of an inclusive process. We're just shifting focus from one part of our consciousness to another part that's always there. And so mm-hmm. to build trust in doing that, that sometimes can take a little bit more time. Yeah. The ego sometimes has a very bad rap, but it is part of us. And it, I've found it to be very helpful sometimes in sessions and information that comes through is very different. It, yeah. Sometimes it hops in and wants to help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't get a bad rap because it's part of our, it's, it's necessary for our survival for so long. It's not once you want more freedom and stuff and more expansion and more contact with yourself, then you can work on things to diminish the need for ego by bolstering or strengthening the parts of you that where you feel yourself, where you're joyful, where you're doing the things that make you feel good. And you listen to your boundaries, to your gut, you start listening to yourself. Then there's less need for ego involvement to buckle up and protect and yeah, to defend. One thing that you touched on, I'd like to chat about too, is about the rapport with the practitioner, because I think that's a really important part of the session is that clients be ready to open up, to talk, to be almost like an open book prior to going under hypnosis, because the more that my client, what I found is the more that my client tells me and feels comfortable talking with me, then the more the subconscious mind is going to feel comfortable talking to me during session. And then that much more powerful your session will be and more information that you'll get. Have you found that out as well as a practitioner? Totally. Yes. It's very important. Yeah. Sometimes you meet people that are so closed off and it happens more often with men than with women in general are so linear or yeah, that it can be hard to build rapport to get to drop down into a feeling level while you're talking to them. And in sessions have worked that way as well, but it's always a more fun experience and more richer when you can build that rapport to where people can just let go and feel very safe. So they can really explore the depths of the experience. And I, I always tell that to my clients, this is a safe place. There's no judgment. And honestly, I don't think anybody could tell me anything at this point that would shock me. <laughs> and yeah. so it's really important that people feel comfortable in talking, opening up, because I think that the session is just so much more powerful when that can finally happen. And it's about trust too. And trust is a big part of the sessions as well. I think that when you trust yourself, you can trust the information, sights, sounds, feelings, and everything that's coming through in the session. Right. Do, do you find that most of your clients through sessions that they feel or see information? It's both. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they're feeling the feelings and then, but also kinesthetic experiences. I'm like, I had a woman on my table once and we took her, I took her through the induction and then asked her, what do you see? And she goes, I see nothing. And are you hearing anything? No. What are you feeling? And she goes, I feel like my hands are behind my back. And I ask her to explore that. And she goes, oh, it feels like there's rope around them. And I ask, are you horizontal or vertical? She goes, I'm vertical. Oh, my God, I'm a witch being burned at the stake. And the the whole scene opened up. But that was an aesthetic entry into the experience for her. So it's most people seem to be visual with 
tinges of feeling. Sometimes people are more, yeah, feeling, but it's easy to then translate to images like, mm. oh, that's what it feels like. If you were to see it, what would it look like? Oh, then it would look like blah, blah, blah. They go and they describe it. Yeah. I'm more of a feeling based. That's why I was asking. But to your point, once I like lean into those feelings and if I was to visualize it, then I get like kinks of images and things that come through, but I rely heavily on my feelings when I regress. It's the same for me. Yeah. yeah. And then one other thing is pretty cool that I've noticed and even chatting with other practitioners is clairvoyancy. Do you find yourself seeing what your clients see? How, is that something that you've noticed? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. So oftentimes I'll be looking at something in my imagination. Let's call it that. I don't know. And then they will start telling me about it. Yeah. Thing, isn't yeah. It? <laughs> it's really interesting. And I actually just recently realized that was happening because I was talking with one of my clients who's a good friend and fellow podcaster, we were talking about her session and I mentioned something about in the scene where we regressed her to, it was an outdoor wedding and she had this pale blue dress on was her wedding dress. And I commented, I was like, I thought it was interesting that your dress was blue. And she's, I didn't tell you that in the session. And I said, yeah, you did. And she's, I've listened to the recording three times. I promise I didn't tell you that. So I went back through and I was like, <laughs> rewinding, fast forwarding, like trying to find, and she never told me that. And then I, it was undeniable at that point. I was like, oh my goodness, I think I'm seeing my clients' sessions. That's yeah. cool, isn't it? <laughs> it is cool. It was un it's unexpected. But now that I realize that, it also helps me to ask more fact-finding questions too, because I really, I feel like I'm there with them. Oftentimes yeah. I close my eyes and I'm just really in that scene with my clients. Yeah. So that's how it works. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Sometimes also you must have experiences as well. Sometimes clients will volunteer something about you. You're talking to the higher self or some being and they say some stuff or I had a client. It's funny because it happens quite a bit. You don't ask for that stuff as a practitioner, mm -hmm. but sometimes yeah. it just, they just start talking about it. She said something and to validate the information, she said something about my shoes. And she said, you have red shoes. And I did have a pair of red hype tops that I loved uh -huh. so much. And so she didn't know that at all. I wasn't wearing them at the time. So it was validating the information for me because it was, it must've been trying to tell me something about to trust myself and to go full force and to take up more space in the world, something like that. And I was like, Hey, I've heard it before. I don't need to do that. And then she validated that information with, it sounds simplistic when I say it like this, but it was, it felt very validating that she, mm -hmm. that she came from a place where she really knew what she was talking about. I think that is so cool. And it's so funny you mentioned that because I actually had a message come through just the other day for me. And I don't get I don't get a lot of them. And of course, as a practitioner, I would never ask that. The session is about the client and the information yeah. that they need. But there was a point where we were doing a between life exploration after he had gone through the death scene. And that's where all the interesting stuff really comes forward. That's right. probably my favorite part of the session. And now that I look back, I'm pretty sure he, he was definitely channeling. He was channeling, I want to say, most people call it the council. So after, you know, the death scene and when you're reviewing the life, the council will come forward and talk with you about your goals. And then all of a sudden, it just all this information started coming through. And he's like, oh, they want to tell you something. And, it, and they were just like giving me information about being on the right path and to keep going and doing the podcast is going to reach the right people. So it was really validating to your point. Great. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, they're often yeah. very validating messages. And actually, that I have another question for you as well. So sometimes clients will channel. 
They channel messages that are maybe from a different source, higher than themselves. How do you tell the difference? Can you tell the difference? I feel like the information comes through quicker, faster, and is more more confident. That, like when it, if that, I don't know if that's the right word, but it comes through just more firm and more at a faster pace. Yeah. Yeah. I find that people tap into like different levels of their higher knowing. Something mm-hmm. seems very close to their personal experience as a personality, but at other times it's very, yeah, very fast, very detailed, very confident. And um, the, the cadence changes, they use vocabulary that you haven't heard them use during the interview or like terms that are new to them or scientific terms sometimes that they have no idea about, like when they're talking about DNA or like mathematical stuff or whatever it is, they know things that they didn't seem to know prior to their session experience. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've definitely come across that. And something else that recently has been happening a lot of my sessions lately is activation, the warming sensation in the hands or even in the crown chakra. My clients will say afterwards, my hands are, they're warm and they're tingly. And I'm like, you've been activated. (laughs) Definitely. It's like the energy or the life force is flowing through you. So that's also something that's pretty common. That's been happening a lot lately. Yes. Yeah, those experiences are seem to be commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Haron, I would love to know what are you working on next? Do you have any upcoming projects or anything that you're focused on next? I'm forever trying to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, two books. One is about my own journey and of becoming more human on this planet, and then the other one is about humanity's galactic connections. And this is all like session experiences. I'm not good with sitting down and writing. It happens in like little spurts because whenever I'm not in sessions, I run for the hills. I'm in the mountains. I'm in. The- mm-hmm. I'm working on that. Yeah, and then just mm-hmm. the group regressions that are coming up. Yeah, you have a couple group regressions. Speaking of that, I was actually looking at Instagram earlier today, and you posted something interesting about the Watchers. Yeah. Can you tell listeners about about that post? Because I thought that I found that very interesting. Yeah. So, have you encountered the Watchers in the in sessions? I don't know if I have. That's why I want to hear more about what you have to say, because maybe I have, but it's not necessarily referred to themselves as the Watchers. Sometimes I think they're interchangeable with the ancients. Sometimes they call themselves that. I think they're the same sort of galactic beings. But they seem to be a group of beings that have been involved with Earth from the beginning, with the development of life and consciousness on the planet. And they seem to be very hands-off. It's more like watching a Petri dish and seeing what it does. They've had experiences where they would go take on a body and walk the earth just to check things out on the ground. I'm trying to remember. I don't know where I'm pulling this memory from. It's a session that I was in or maybe Dolores' books. And they have been around in other cultures as the, like the wise person that lives secluded somewhere else. And they look very different for a while. They, they don't have to go through the birthing experience. They just take on a body and then they check back out. Yeah, I might be mixing them up with other beings right now. I can't quite make it clear. But yeah, these beings are such evolved consciousnesses. They're very benevolent. And they said that we all are part watcher. Consciousness is one. And it's part of them experiences life through us, records the experiences and just see what it's like. And in this particular session, it was describing that we have so many questions about life in general and why are things a certain way and why are they not? And it was describing that it seemed like there's more negativity on the planet that because 
there's so many light workers on the planet right now. So there's more light now for the first time in a long time. And I think it was described as the harmonic convergence in 89 or 87. I forgot when mm -hmm. it happened, when that the balance tipped in favor of the light, but that they're now allowing for souls that are in a sort of darker part of their evolution to come on to planet earth to benefit from the light that's here right now. So mm -hmm. they can have a speedier evolution as well. And I ask, why is that the plan? Why is there a time crunch? There seems to be a time crunch with this. Why do we have to deal with that shit? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's, uh, you just said that's just the plan that we have. So that's as far as they went with it. But yeah, so that's the reason why there's seemingly more negativity now because there's a lot more light. And these sort of, I hesitate to call it darker souls. It's just part of consciousness, part of source that is going through a different type of evolution and a different sort of phase. Yeah. Because people immediately, I notice it on my Instagram post as well, they want to try and make it, oh, they're bad or they must have accrued a lot of karma. It doesn't have to be. We Consciousness chooses to experience itself in many different ways and not always in what we call the good part. I think so. what I have experienced, it sounds similar. However, in session, she did say that it was an archangel. I want to say Raphael, but it sounds really similar because when we dropped into session, she was hovering above the earth and watching, she kept saying, I'm watching earth. I, I watch, I've been here. So this is my job is to overlook the earth. And then there was like a cone that they would look through like this cone shaped thing to zoom in and see like certain things that were happening and that they could connect with people when called upon. So it sounds a little bit similar, but then when I asked, they said, when I asked my client, she said that she was an angel. I wonder similar. sometimes if because of the kind of world we live in that we distinguish one thing from another through shape and form and labels and names, mm -hmm. I don't think things work quite like that in other dimensions. Yeah. So I sometimes wonder if they just say like, okay, just, I'm an angel. That's you understand that. But they're really more energy beings and less defined than our human thinking needs them to be. So more interchangeable with the watchers, angels, mm -hmm. light beings could be the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I think that the human mind wants to label and try and quantify things. And, and outside of this realm, this 3D existence that we're in, when we evolve past that into more collective consciousness, there's really not that many labels. One thing I've also come across too is because we're talking about souls that are maybe at a different point in evolution that have come through. But one thing that I've encountered as well is like a place where souls will go after, after the life has passed to be cleansed, like a cleansing. Have you encountered that? Sure. That happens quite a bit. Yeah. 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 Going through the car wash. Right. Yes. And for listeners, what I've encountered is that maybe the soul had a really heck, like a different type of a life or might have done things in the life that maybe that they wouldn't do in this lifetime. <laughs> maybe weren't very positive, let's just say that. Mm -hmm. And they have to be cleansed or go to a place to clean or cleanse, car wash the soul prior to taking on a new life assignment. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah that happens. It takes on different forms that people describe it different ways. Sometimes it's the place of the voidness or the nothingness. So mm -hmm. life was quite difficult. The soul seems to be needing some time alone to just feel itself as pure consciousness again, to yeah. be there for a while, to not be interrupted by external stimuli. And then afterward, they move into a lighter place where there's like guides and angels and loved ones and stuff. 
or it can be like a place in what we would term heaven where mm-hmm. they go for a while, but it's just very light and warm. There's no punishment or for being a bad soul or a bad person on the planet. It's very loving and it's very nourishing and supportive. Yeah. Uh, it's the love that heals, not there's no punishment or judgment on it. I actually had a session quite recently. I'm trying to remember the details now, but what stood out is that she was crap. I forgot the details, but she was in life where she was a bit of an asshole. And then when she popped out of it after the death experience, like her guides were immediately there and say, oh, we're so sorry you, had, you chose that experience. It must have been so hard. <laughs> I remember now. She wanted to be in a life to experience what it's like to be an asshole because it gave her more compassion in this lifetime for mm-hmm. the people around her that were on that journey of being an asshole. I think she, she was with a husband that she was trying to divorce to understand more of what he was going through. So she was in another lifetime as a beautiful soul, but expressing like an asshole and feeling the close heartedness of it and the, the power hungriness and the stuff that happens when we're on the heart. And it was like a learning experience, but it wasn't because she was less evolved or stupid or a young soul or anything like that. It was a chosen experience. Yeah. And every life is a learning experience and past life regression is so cool. But I think that oftentimes people get caught up with, oh, I lived in ancient Egypt or I was a settler or Native American. But I think that the real purpose is to find out and remember those lessons and those experiences. So that's the real takeaway of a past life regression. Yeah, it's less about, I call it past life tourism. Oh, I was. Oh, yeah. But it's more about being in the kind of quantum codes that other life holds. I'm sure you've encountered this as well. When you talk to the higher self, that there is no such thing as time from the perspective of the soul. So the soul, as a more or less individual, individuated part of source consciousness, decides to split off into all these different experiences that from the perspective of the soul seem to be happening congruently or concurrently to each other. And I think that in a past life regression, we kind of bridge over into this other experience to absorb or to take on the learning or the quantum codes, the energy codes of that life that are beneficial for the current lifetime. And it's less about connecting the dots for our poor conscious mind, but it's more about being immersed in the experience that really shifts and moves things around in a good way for us to get an upgrade and a healing for this current lifetime. Yeah. And for our listeners right now, I think a good analogy is if anyone's seen that movie, Everything All at Once. Have you seen okay, that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very similar to that where everything is just happening simultaneously all at once, like past, present, future. It's so interesting. It's hard for our human mind to try to quantify it. But that, yeah, that's definitely what I have, the conclusion that I've drawn through my sessions as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ron, I think it's definitely, it's time to call this one. It's been such a beautiful, lovely conversation. And I've really enjoyed reconnecting. For anyone who's interested in having a session with you, such an incredible practitioner, I absolutely recommend if you're in the LA area, to go see you where can people find you online and instagram all your stuff thank you for mentioning that best place to contact me is on instagram shoot me a dm so my instagram handle is my name Yeroen, which is spelled j-e-r-o-e-n and then is love i-s-l-o-v-e or my website but you'll find my website on my instagram as well so my website is my first name Yeroen, j-e-r-o-e-n-q-h-d.com Beautiful. And I'll include all of your contact information in the show notes as well for listeners. So wonderful to reconnect with you. I'm so proud of you. And so wonderful to see your path since I first met you back in 2006. So 
thrilled to hear that you made this beautiful jump into doing this work and that you're doing this full time now. I love it. Thank you. You're such an inspiration to me. And yeah, it's just a big part of my journey, actually. So it's been lovely reconnecting. Thank you. All right. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by The Soul Experience, quantum healing hypnosis. Are you ready to embark on an inward journey of quantum healing? Quantum healing hypnosis is the most profound method of inner work and self-healing someone can do while on a spiritual path. In a single session, you experience past life regression, exploration between lifetimes, self-healing performed by your subconscious, release of trapped trauma, and answers to your most important life questions. Your higher self has a message for you and is here to help you and guide you on this life journey. Book a session today with Jennifer Mitchell at thesoulexperiences.com.